Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Second Chronicles chapter 26. <clears throat> Second Chronicles chapter 26. Going to be uh, looking here at an individual in the Bible by the name of King Uzziah. King Uzziah was one of the many kings of Judah. As you go through the book of Kings and Chronicles and Samuel, you'll read about these men from uh, Saul all the way down through the latter kings when the kingdoms were essentially disbanded. Uh, You will find that there are many ups and downs for the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. Uh, Especially, it seems that God's presence continues more so with Judah uh, than with Israel during those days when the kingdoms were split into the northern and southern kingdoms. But as we come through and you'll read them, a lot of times you'll read, when you're reading through the books of Chronicles or Kings or whatever it may be, you'll read one chapter. It says, this king began to reign when he was this old. And he reigned this many years. And then it'll always say something like this, and he did that which was right in the, in the sight of the Lord. Or <clears throat> he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, and kind of tends to go back and forth and back and forth, and there's a lot of messages preached on that, a lot of thoughts. As I was going through this some time ago in my Bible, just daily Bible reading and study, uh, the Lord kind of brought a thought to my mind here from this passage, and uh, I was reminded of that this week as I was studying, and I want to give you a thought that hopefully you can take with you and be a help to you. Let's read the first five verses, and if you've got your Bible, I'd like you to stand with me if you wouldn't mind. Uh, for the reading of God's Word today. Uh, Here, we're going to read just the first five verses, and then we'll jump into this, and and hopefully the Lord will help us with that. Pray for me this morning with my voice. These allergies, they they give me a constant tickle in the back of my throat, and hopefully I can keep from coughing the whole time we're we're preaching. Amen. So, y'all pray for me. 2 Chronicles 26, and verse 1. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after that the king slept with his fathers. And Sixteen years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned fifty and two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God, And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you, God, for the wonderful opportunity to be in your house today. God, I'd rather be here than anywhere else in the country. Uh, God, I know this morning that Brooke is in church over there, but she even told me this morning on the phone that she just missed being here in our church today. I pray that you'd give her a blessing, Lord, where she is, and God, that you'd meet with them there. And God, I pray that you'd meet with us here right now, God, in this place. Lord, I I know that you've given me a word, God, from your precious and preserved Bible. 
God, I pray, help me to preach it today, Lord, with unction from the Holy Ghost. God, help me not to say anything that ought not be said. Lord, help me to say exactly what you'd have me to say and speak to our hearts. God, show us, Lord, the truth of your word. And God, draw us nearer to you, Lord. Show us the cross and show us your love this morning. And show us, God, what we need, Lord, to give us what we stand in need of today. I pray, speak to every man, woman, and child in the place today, Lord, right where we need to hear you. Speak to us in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, Lord, and draw us closer to you. We love you and we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. King Uzziah, we are told, uh, did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all his father Amaziah did. And at first glance, this would seem to be an endorsement of both Uzziah and Amaziah as two kings who served God and did that which was right. And on the one hand, that's true. I'll just say it is true that both Uzziah and Amaziah are both recorded in the Scripture of having done that which was right in the sight of the Lord. They both did serve God during their tenures as the king of Judah. Uh, But when we take a deeper look at these men, we can see that their legacy is not quite as simple as that. In fact, even in these first five verses, uh, the astute reader can tell there are some things being kind of uh, mentioned or referenced to in the latter part of those verses. Uh, by way of introduction, I'll, I'll show you first, we see, the, uh, we see the esteem of Uzziah is that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, which means he did well. Amen. Uzziah did well. He did what was right. He did what was good in the eyes of God. And when he was king, he saw and did much that was right and good in the eyes of God. And can I tell you, That's a great testimony to have, that you are doing what is right in God's eyes. Can I tell you, it is way more important that we are doing what is right in God's eyes than it is that we are doing that which is right in anyone else's eyes. Can you say amen? Amen. Now the Bible tells me that when we are married, that we are concerned with how we may please our wives and how we may please our husbands. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is that we are pleasing God with our lives. Amen. There was a time in my grandparents' life uh, where my grandmother had to take her kids to church and, and live a certain way, and her husband was not in that with her. Now, he, he wasn't against her taking those kids to church, and he wasn't against living a certain way, but she had to do that of her own accord regardless of how he felt about it because it was right in God's eyes, going to church, amen, and being faithful to God. And there are times when... In your life, there's going to be people who might want you to do a certain thing or go a certain way, but the only way that you can be right is to be right with God. Amen. In fact, if you're going to be right with God, it is without a doubt 100% of the time there are going to be cases in your life where you're going to be not right with somebody else because you are right with God. Because man's ways and God's ways go this way more often than not. But in the life of King Uzziah, we see his esteem, and the esteem that the Bible gives him, the the good things are said about him is he did that which was right. And then we see the examples for Uzziah. It's actually pointed that it says there he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah did. So that tells us where Uzziah learned to do right. Where did he learn to do right? From his father. Amen. Can I tell you, that ought to be the case with us as well. Fathers. Teach your children what's right and live right before them. Amen. Be a good example. Say, well, I never had a great example at home or 
or maybe you did or maybe you didn't, but the, that doesn't really matter. When you have children, you have the opportunity to influence them for God. You can never do anything better for your children than to influence them for God. You ought to teach your children uh, to be well-behaved. You ought to teach them to have discipline. You ought to teach them to work. Amen. But you ought to teach them, first of all, to do right in the eyes of God. More than anything else, that is your most important responsibility as a parent, is to show them God in your life. Amen. And, and, and we're seeing here that Uzziah had that in Amaziah. In 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 25, the chapter 4, it said, Amaziah was 20 and 5 years old in verse 1 when he began to reign, and he reigned 20 and 9 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. So we see that Amaziah also has this testimony of having done right in God's eyes. And in, in chapter 24, we even see a man by the name of Joash, who is Uzziah's grandfather. And Joash was seven years old when he began to reign. He reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zebiah of Beersheba. And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. So there is a heritage of his father and his grandfather doing that which was right in God's eyes. He had an example in his father and in his grandfather of men who at least to some extent did that which was right in God's eyes. So Uzziah had seen and heard that which was right in the eyes of God through the examples of his father and his grandfather. Amen. But then we see there is an exception given of Uzziah. In our text verse, in verse number 5 of 1 Chronicles 26, it said he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. There is a qualifier put on Uzziah's life, and it is this. God was with him as long as he sought the Lord. We're also told in verse number 4 that he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, in the sight of the Lord, according to, the, according to all that his father Amaziah did, which also gives us an exception that Uzziah did what his father showed him, but the implication is this. There's something, there's something being inferred that's not stated clearly in the statement, and that's this, that he only did right by what he'd seen from his father, and there were other things that he did not do right. That there was a limit to the right that Uzziah did in his life. So, well, that, that's kind of a shame. We're going to look at that. But I'll just show you by example. It tells us we've given the example of his father. His father did right. But we also know that his father did not always do right. Because the rest of that verse in 2 Chronicles 25, 2 said this, that speaking of Amaziah, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart, which is a qualifier. He did that which was right, but not all the way. You go and read about Amaziah, you'll read how that Amaziah... Uh, went and he was defeating the wicked uh, enemies of Israel. In verse 14, we read how that he went and slaughtered the Edomites. He brought the gods, the children of Seir, out with him and made them his gods and worshipped them. You know what's funny about that? Verse, 20, verse 15, well, I'm not going to stick around here, but it says this, uh, the, the, uh, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Amaziah. He sent a prophet, and the prophet asked him, Why hast thou sought after the gods of the people which could not deliver their own people out of thine hand? He said, that don't even make sense, Amaziah. You're worshiping gods of the people you just killed, and their gods obviously didn't help them. Why do you think that helped you? Amen. Isn't that 
just how man sometimes can just be really thick-headed. Joash, his father, the grandfather of Uzziah, in, in chapter 24, verse 2, said, Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada, the priest. It's also telling that it told us that, that Uzziah did all that was right in the sight of the Lord during the days that he sought the Lord in the days of Zechariah. So again, we're seeing this, this continuation of this example that Joash was the same and that he turned away from what was right in God's eyes after the death of Jehoiada the priest. In fact, in verse 17 and 18 of chapter 24, uh, uh, Joash is going to kill the son of Jehoiada the priest for telling him what is right. I mean, he's going to turn away from God completely. And both of these men, Joash and Amaziah, are going to come to an ugly end. In fact, at the beginning of verse 26 that we read there, or chapter 26 rather, it said that the people took Uzziah at 16 and made him king. That's because they had killed Amaziah. They had killed Joash. And there was a history of, of death in these men before him. And it's just a, a terrible and tragic history to these men who both had good starts with God, but bad finishes. There is a problem in all three of these men that becomes very specifically pronounced in Uzziah. And I want to show it to you today. And hopefully we can take this and learn from it. Because I, I, let me say this. You don't have to fall into the same pit as your fathers. Can I say that? I know there's some here this morning that you have a... A, a, you were raised in church and have a good godly example, and there's some here this morning who were not raised in church and maybe did not have a good godly example at home. Can I tell you, regardless of whatever your legacy behind you may be, you can serve God with a perfect heart yourself. Amen. Uzziah, let me show you first that his start was promising. Let's look at just how Uzziah got started in these verses. We know that he sought God. The Bible told us in verse 4 and 5 how that he sought God. What a great testimony that he was seeking after God. That's more than just, well, I'm going to do what's right because, well, this is what I've been told is right. Oh, no, no, it's not just that. He is seeking God. He wants God. He wants more of God. He wants to know more of God. That's a great way to get started. Amen. Can I tell you, when you come to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night, you ought to come seeking God. Don't wait till you're in the middle of a storm to seek God. Amen. Be seeking God day by day, morning by morning, night by night. We talk Wednesday uh, afternoon in the, in the evening service about praying early in the morning and how that, that is a precept in the Bible of seeking God first in the day. Seek God. Amen. Don't wait till you're in a storm to turn to God like a spare tire and say, help me, but be walking and talking with God even when things are good, like Uzziah was in his beginning. We see his success. Uzziah's start was promising. First, we see his success in wars. We see in verse 6 and 7, he went forth, it said, and warred against the Philistines and break down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod and built cities about Ashdod among the Philistines. And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gerbabel and the uh, Mehunims. There we go. God is helping Uzziah. And he is giving him great success. So well, how do you know it was God, not just him? Well, because verse 7 said God helped him. I think it's pretty clear, don't you think? God helps him, and he begins winning every fight he goes into to the point that he is able to build new cities, take away cities and refortify them and build up new walls and, and strengthen them. And his reach 
is growing and expanding, and he is becoming a mighty king known in the area, and his success is growing and growing. He's becoming more and more successful. Why? Because he is seeking God, and God is therefore helping him. Can you see that? His success. God gave Uzziah success, and, and he began to have a, a, a reputation of victory as God helped him against his enemies. Then we see not only his success, but we see his splendor. In verse 8, it said, The Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah, and his name spread abroad even to the inner end of Egypt, for he strengthened himself exceedingly. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and the turning of the wall and fortified them. And also he built towers in the desert and digged many wells, for he had much cattle both in the low country and in the plains. Husbandmen also and vine dressers in the mountains in Carmel, uh, for he loved husbandry. So we see his splendor now. This king has become so well known that people who at times have been enemies of Judah are bringing him gifts. You see that? The Ammonites, it said in verse number 8, gave gifts to Uzziah. They're bringing him gifts, and they are honoring him. And he is going out, and he is building towers in, in the walls of Jerusalem that everyone can see. And he's got cattle all over the place, and he's digging new wells and expanding. And he's got husbandmen working his, his vineyards and his farms and his fields and I mean, Judah is in a day of splendor and prosper. Do you see that? They're not under any sort of uh, siege from their enemies. They're not living in constant danger. They're winning all their battles, and they're expanding their walls, and they're building new cities, and they're expanding their cattle, and expanding their, 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 their livestock, expanding their farm ground, and, and they're prospering to the point that, in, in a sense, almost like Solomon's day, men who would possibly have been an enemy are sending gifts to Uzziah to gain his favor. Why? Because he's successful. And because they are rich. Y'all see that? They are rich with cattle and rich with, with, uh, with their vineyards and rich with their cities and their wells and their walls and their strength. We see his success. We see his splendor. We see his strength in verse 11. Moreover, listen to this. Uzziah had a host of fighting men that went out to war by bands according to the number of their account by the hand of Jael, the scribe, and Messiah, the ruler, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. And the whole number of the chief of the fathers of the mighty men of valor were 2,600. He said, well, that's not a very big armor. That wasn't his army. Those were, a two, those were 2,600 specialized warriors, mighty men of valor, each one who could have led an army. Each one, they would go out and sit in bands and just wipe out their enemies. They were men of renown, mighty men of valor. And then we see in verse 13, under their hand, under those 2,600 people, those men, was an army 300,000 and 7,000 and 500 that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. Now that's an army. I've never seen 300,000 people in one place, I don't think. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host shields and spears and helmets and habergeons and bows and slings to cast stones. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones with all. In this time of success and splendor, Uzziah continued to strengthen himself and his army grew to a massive size, including a group of over 2,000 great warriors who could lead those men where Uzziah didn't even have to do the work he can send these incredibly intelligent men. And he's got other inventors. 
Scientific inventors. You know why? Because God's helping him. God is literally sending these men the, the minds to create new things. Historically, the catapult is not, uh, is not credited in history for having been built until hundreds of years after this. But there is some sort of a device being built here to shoot arrows off of bulwarks and to launch stones out against their enemies. He's built towers and has new scientific uh, inventions in, in war, these engines, the Bible calls them, to the point that, I mean, he is really becoming a military powerhouse. And we see his stardom. In the last part of verse 15, it said this, And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Who marvelously helped him? God. That word marvelously, it means miraculously, wondrously. And the only one who could miraculously help you is God. And we know that God helped him because the Bible tells us that God helped him. In verse number 7, the Bible tells us that as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. In verse 5, and in verse 15, his name is spreading far abroad and everybody is beginning to hear about Uzziah because Uzziah has been miraculously and marvelously helped by God. He became strong. He became a star, if you will, in his day for one reason. God was on his side. You can read your Bible. You can read about men like Joshua. Read about men like David, men like Solomon who had fame much like this around them, that men heard of them and knew who they were and knew how they, how they always won their battles and how God helped them, and they were marvelously helped. And now Uzziah is going in that same direction and is receiving the same kind of help from God, and people are beginning to notice. It's a great way to get started. Can you say amen? Now, if, this is the, if the next verse said in Uzziah... Reigned 52 years, and then he slept with his fathers. What a great story. Unfortunately, in verse 16, we've seen how Uzziah's start was promising and his success, his splendor, his strength, his stardom. But now I want you to see that Uzziah's sin was pride. Verse 16. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. What a sad statement. When he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. We see his ruin right here. In his moment of strength, in his day of plenty, in his time in the sun, if you would, a time when God is blessing their kingdom, God is strengthening the kingdom of Judah, God is making Uzziah known throughout all the land, their, their cattle is growing, their fields are growing, their, their money is growing, their men are growing. Suddenly, it says, when he was strong, in the middle of all his blessing, his heart was lifted up. That was his ruin. 
He was in a time not only where he was blessed, but you know what the Bible tells us that he was doing during all that time? We can come to this logical understanding. Okay? Verse number 5 told us this about Uzziah. Verse number 5 said, As long as he what? Sought the Lord. God made him to prosper. So while he is strong and he is prospering, what's he been doing? We can, we can understand he's been seeking God. So during the time that his armies are growing and that the towers are being built and that the cities are being built and all these things are going on, he is seeking God. Can you all see that? Say amen if you can see that. So he's not just some guy and some king who doesn't really know or care anything about God, but he is a godly man. Amen? He is doing that which was right in the sight of God, and not only just doing what's right because it's right, but he is actively seeking God. He is looking to the law. He is looking to what the Bible says. He is looking to what is right. He is trying to do right. He wants God in his life and in the kingdom of Judah. He desires God. He is seeking God. And God is blessing him. And in the middle of him seeking God, being right with God, doing the will of God, doing the work of God, he becomes lifted up in his heart. And he thinks, look at me. Look how good a king I am. Look how rich I am. Look how blessed I am. Look how I always win every battle I get into. Look at all those kings over there. That king's not serving God. Well, that king's not serving God, but I am. Look, my father before me, he messed it all up, but I, I'm not going to mess it up. I'll never do what they did. What's it sound like? It sounds like pride. A man living for God, searching for God, seeking God, doing right in the sight of God, and then suddenly in his heart he thinks, I'm better than all of them. Amen. God, help us to never come to believe that we are above reproach, that we are above mistakes that we are self-sufficient. Help us always to remember that we are one wrong move from destruction. Say, really? That's an awfully pessimistic thought. No, no, it's not pessimistic. It's just realistic. It would only take one big bad move from me to ruin every good thing in my life. I have within the power of my hand to go out that door this afternoon after church and go out there and wreck all of my life with one bad move. Can you agree? I could ruin my home. I can ruin my ministry with one bad move. That's a scary thought. But it's a realistic thought. And it's a thought that I believe Uzziah rejected. I am so strong. I am so spiritual. I am so good and so mighty and so rich, no one can touch me. I'm better than my fathers. I'm better than my grandfathers. I'm as good as David, and I'm in good shape. 
But the rest of verse 16, we see what he did. He said, he transgressed against the Lord his God, went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. He's even going to God's house now and doing something that from a perspective of pride seems like a good thing. I'm going to go to church and burn incense, which is something they would do when they would pray, and they would burn incense to God for that sweet smell. The problem is, that wasn't God's will for him. In fact, they've been told in the Word of God, you don't do that, only the Levites do that. Verse number 17, Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. So 81 guys come in, brave, before this mighty, splendorous, and strong king, and say, it says they withstood Uzziah. They tried to stop him. And they said, it appertaineth not unto the Uzziah to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. And they say, Uzziah, listen to us. We know you're the king. We know you're a great guy, but this is our job, and it's not our job because we want it, but because that's what God said. His Word does not give you the right to do what you're doing. We're the ones who are supposed to do that according to the Word of God. The moment that in your life you become exempt from God's Word, you've gone too far. I don't know how many men have gotten to a place where they get lifted up in their own pride and they think it applies to everybody, but it doesn't apply to me. The moment you get there, you've done gone too far. Oh, I know it hurt them, but it won't hurt me. Oh, I know they went there and they, they dabbled in that and they messed around in that and they, they looked at things they shouldn't have and they, they toured in this direction, but, they, but, but I'm too spiritual. I'll never go too far. But guess what? That's exactly what he did. Here's a real problem. Because I'm going to tell you what I believe. My Bible tells me that obedience is better than sacrifice. I believe, had Uzziah, like David, said, I've sinned. I was wrong. You're right. I'm sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. And fell on his face. Will you pray? Will you... Will you do a sacrifice? I'll go get the best lamb, the best, the best thing I've got, and we'll do a sacrifice, and I'll offer it if you'll, if you'll do it for me, and you'll perform it, and we'll pray right now and ask God to forgive me and to spare the kingdom. But look at verse 18. I'm sorry, verse 19. Then Uzziah was wroth. You want to know a surefire sign of someone whose heart is lifted up in pride, they cannot bear a truthful challenge. Someone who is incapable of receiving constructive criticism, especially someone in a position of power, has become lifted up in pride. It's a hard thought, isn't it? Now, I didn't say anybody who doesn't like being criticized, because I cannot tell you, nobody likes being criticized. Nobody, being, no, nobody likes being told, you can't do that, that's wrong. Nobody likes being told, you're not supposed to be doing this, it's wrong for you to do that, you're wrong for doing it. Nobody likes being told that, especially to their face with 80 guys standing around. Feels a little bit like an ambush, don't it? It's not. 
Someone who, the moment they are offered this, you're wrong, reacts wrothly, is only reacting out of pride. Amen? Pride cannot bear a truthful challenge. There have been many men in ministry and men in positions of power and women in positions of leadership and power in our country and in this world, and every time someone tells them they're wrong, their reaction is the same. Wrath. How dare you? You ever heard anybody say that? There are very few instances where that is appropriate to say. I can think of an example right now of a situation in my life where I was trying to speak to someone who I felt was honestly looking at it through a position of pride and selfishness and not about what was right and wrong. And when I brought it to their attention out of love, trying to help them as, as humbly as I could, their response was, how dare you suggest? And when they said that, I, I, it was confirmed and I knew they were already lifted up in pride. And the only one who could help them was God. Amen. Uzziah had an opportunity. We saw his ruin was that his heart, the Bible told us in verse 16, we already knew his heart was lifted up in destruction. That will, pride in your heart will ruin you. Nah, it'll be all right. A little bit of pride never hurt nobody. Ask Satan about it. Pride is the sin. It's the sin. Well, if you really break it down, what's the worst sin? The one, the pride. Pride is the sin that leads to all other sins. Well, if I just drink a little, it'll be fine. And then when it leads to your destruction, it'll be because you thought what happened to other people wouldn't happen to you. I'll just look, but I won't touch. It's okay to, to look at someone outside of my marriage, as long as I don't do that thought that you'll be okay when others before you were not, that's pride. Amen. Here's the thing about pride. Verse 15 told us that his heart was lifted up to his what? Destruction. You know what the Bible tells us about pride? Pride goeth before what? Destruction. What is destruction? Destruction's a powerful word. His wrongdoing, like I told you, he was a good king, a godly king, a strong king. Surely the Lord would let him do this thing that was good and spiritual. No, it was wrong because God said it was wrong. God's word is always right no matter who you are, period. And that was a lesson that that king needed to learn. That's what it was. It's a hard lesson, but it's one he had to learn. And here he is thinking, I'll be fine because I'm so good and I'm so godly. And then they come to him and they say, you can't do that. What's he do? He's wroth. Look at what happens. He had a censer in his hand to burn incense, verse 19. And while he was wroth with the priests, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. As the chief priests and all the priests looked on him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out because the Lord had smitten him. Look at verse 21. You want to hear a sad sentence? And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death. 
His wrongdoing is that he, he transgressed the Word of God. His reaction was that he got wrathful when they brought a, a truthful challenge to him. But you know what his reward was? Destruction. I don't think it's a coincidence that a man whose destruction was brought by pride, that his, his sentencing was right there. You all see that? Now God could have put leprosy anywhere on his body. Where did he put it? You know what that means? His destruction was public. Isn't that sad? This man who just the day before we're talking about how God is blessing him, his ministry is growing, his, 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 his kingdom is expanding, right? They're winning victories and building cities and building towers, and everything looks great. And in his heart, he's thinking, oh yeah, I'm strong. I'm mighty. I'm untouchable. And he thought, I'm going to go into church. I don't need anybody to do this for me. I'll do it myself. And he went in and he transgressed God's word. And in that moment, he found out, we found out, how deep that pride was rooted in his heart. Why? Why did God give him this leprosy in his forehead that was a death sentence without a miraculous healing? that he would live apart from all the people he knew and loved for the rest of his difficult and painful life until he died. And he was not even buried in the sepulchers of the kings, but in the fields of the kings because he was a leper. He was a pariah. He went from being at the top to being at the very, very, very bottom. And you know why? Because pride goeth before destruction. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before destruction, and in haughty spirit before a fall. Let me give you this last point. We'll be done. We see a salient point is this. His perceived strength brought about a sure destruction. Proverbs 16, 19, better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. You'd be better off to have a little and a humble spirit than much and a haughty spirit. Go read your Bible. Get on your phone, on your computer. Type in the word pride. Type in the word proud. Type in the word haughty. You will never find it in a good light. 100% of the time, you will find that God hates it. In fact, the Bible tells us that God hates a proud look. God hates it so much that a good, godly king doing good things and seeking God when God saw, because we know God doesn't look on the countenance, right? He looks on the heart. When God saw that his countenance looked good, but his heart was full of pride, God said, it's too late for him.
his perceived strength was this. I'm so good. I'm so spiritual. I'm so godly. I got a King James Bible. Amen? And let me say, I'm, I believe in the King James Bible. 100%. I believe it is the inspired, perfect Word of God, and I believe it's the only one we have. But just because I'm a King James man doesn't mean I'm good. I heard a lot of people say they'd punch somebody in the mouth over the King James Bible and probably haven't picked it up in six months. Pride is pride no matter if it has a spiritual pain on it or not. Does that make sense? We're talking about a godly man, a good man, who thought, I'm good, I'm, I'm doing good, I'm God's king. But in his heart, he became lifted up with pride. The Bible told us that the moment his heart became lifted up and he thought more of his own self and more of his own strength, that that was his destruction. It happened to others, but it won't happen to me. It happened to his daddy. It happened to his granddad. It happened to so many kings before him. It happened to David when he thought, well, I'll be all right what I'm doing with Bathsheba. It'll be all right. It wasn't. God, murdered. God took out his own children because of what he did. It didn't work out for Solomon. Over and over and over and over and over and over again, we see these men who are giving the example. And here is Uzziah. It won't happen to me. The very first king of Israel... You know when it was that God sent Samuel to tell Saul that he was taking the kingdom from him? When Samuel went in and performed the rites of the sacrifice when the Levites were supposed to do it. And what did Uzziah do? Perform the rites of the Levites with the incense when only the Levites were supposed to do it. It happened to them, but it won't happen to me. I've got one thing to say to that. Pride goeth before destruction. You can cover your eyes, mouth, and ears all you want to and walk forward in the dark, la, la, la. I don't have to listen to that preacher. I don't have to listen to what they're saying. Oh, yeah, I know this one that did it. I know that one that did it. I know this one started where I'm at, and now they're out in the world and away from God, and their life is a wreck, but it won't happen to me. That's exactly what Uzziah said. And he was a good and godly king who served God and sought God, and in one day, in one bad step, because of pride in his heart, he lost everything. Why, why are you attacking me? I'm not attacking you. I am holding a big, bright, red, flashing warning sign. Check your pride before it destroys you. Check your sin before it destroys you. If every time the preacher preaches and he mentions that thing that your, your weakness is and your sin is, it's wrath it rises up, you need to be on the altar. There is destruction. There is, there is destruction ahead of you. His destruction cost him his kingdom and his life. I don't know what yours will cost. But I can tell you this. Pride always goes before destruction. Revelation chapter 3 verse 17 will be done. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore, and 
What's that word? Repent. God, help us if we ever become lifted up because of our standards, because of our strengths, because of our scriptures. Whatever it might be in our life that tells us it won't happen to me, it happened to them, but it won't happen to me, is always pride. And it always goes before destruction every single time. Let's stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.